Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Rainbow Road. I am your host, Travis. Joining me once again is Mike. Mike, how you doing? I'm pretty good, thanks. Good to be back. I'm so glad to have you back. We missed you on the Last of Us episode. I know. It was a good one, though. I'm, I listened to it after the fact, and I really I enjoyed it. Uh, I But I also enjoyed not having to play that horrifically creepy uh, game. It's a little dark for these times. It's a little grim. Yeah. it's <laughs> the, 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 like When I went through the first one for that other episode, it was like... I, my friend Kevin said, he has this term, he says it, it refers to like painting the inside of your mind. It like paints the inside of my mind with like a very bleak sort of situation. But you know what? Let's, I don't want to get into bleakness. You know, real life is already so dark. I want to get into optimism. Uh, maybe this is a good opportunity to do that uh, with our guests. Yes. Uh, joining us once again is from Queer Quadrant, Brooke Solomon and Jordan Gustafson. Thank you so much for joining us, guys. Hey. Hello, hello. Thank you for having us. Glad to be back. So glad to have you back again. And joining us <laughs> for the first time is Ophira Kalov. Ophira, you are a disability advocate, producer, writer, creator, uh, all kinds of wonderful person. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh my goodness. Uh, thank you so much for having me. <laughs> so you guys may have guessed from the fact that we're having Queer Quadrant back that we are not covering a video game again this time. We are shaking it up a little bit. Today we are talking about San Junipero. San Junipero is the fourth episode of the third season of Black Mirror. Originally released in 2016, it is written by series showrunner Charlie Brooker and directed by Owen Harris. It follows the story of Yorkie and Kelly, two women who fall in love in the virtual town of San Junipero. So I actually saw this when it first came out. I don't know about you guys. What is your experience with this episode? Did you watch it for the podcast or have you seen it before? Um, We'll start with you, Ophira. So I saw it, it, it's actually the episode that prompted me to start watching Black Mirror. Really? Yeah, mm. people were talking about it so much. I was like, all right, okay. And then I, I rewatched it uh, last week just for this episode, which was super interesting to see uh, kind of how my feelings about it changed over time and also stayed the same. <laughs> okay, what about you, Brooke and Jordan? Um, so I think I watched this episode with the rest of season three or four, whichever one it was when it came out, um, because I have been a Black Mirror fan, I think since like the beginning, since it was just a British show. Um, but I heard so much hype about this episode and I think that I would probably say that this is still my favorite episode of Black Mirror. It's just lovely. And I've rewatched it many times since then. I think the last Pride Parade that I went to, which was must have been June 2019, oh pre-pandemic. Yeah, um, so yeah, my boyfriend and I, like, we got back from the Pride Parade and we were like, we're really in the mood to, like, watch something Pride-centric. Um, and we sat down and we watched San Junipero. And I think that was the last time I had seen it before um, watching it again for the podcast. Um, it's just, like, so feel-good for me. Uh, I'm a really big fan of it. Oh. I love. Um, I got into Black Mirror at some point in college, and I watched it at some point during then. Uh, I like don't have an exact moment when I saw it, but I like I agree with Brooke that's definitely like one of the top ones for me. But like I always go back to like this Callister, the one where you can like record your memories. But also, like, I really love the pig one with the prime minister. But <laughs> I mean, a classic, I mean, iconic, classic. I'm a white bear fan too. That's mm. from the uh, yes. the the BBC days, and that's like a really good, creepy one. That's sort of video gamey a little bit. Mm-hmm. I love for anyone who has not watched the show, they're wondering if we're throwing around around queer terms by saying like pig and white bear and things like that, or if we're actually <laughs> talking about the show right now. I like the otter episode. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, wait a minute, hold on. Sorry, that's my grandma. Oh my. God. <laughs> what about you, Mike? 
what's my experience exposure with the show? Sorry, rather. Yeah, had you watched it like when it came out, or did you watch it for Rainbow Road? Or uh, yeah, no. So it was presented to me as like this kind of esoteric show. <laughs> I guess it was like, dude, you gotta watch this show. It's it's like it's it's gonna blow your mind. It's, it's like <laughs> nothing you never, nothing you've ever seen before. And I was like, okay, I'm like I walk in with cynicism like on my shoulder. Yeah, it just kind of blew my mind. Be it, it did, it did it actually did blow my mind here. Um, and how just kind of I don't know. You know what? Actually, I I think I want to get to the bottom of that. What is it that like makes Black Mirror so? I don't even. What's the word I'm looking for? It's 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 a lot. <laughs> I mean, I think um, it's something that is speculative but in a really near sense we see a lot of speculative fiction like star uh, star trek and things like that of uh, distant futures of what where we could eventually end up but this is something where it could happen in the next 10 to 20 years with a lot of the stories and it hits so close to home because of that Mm -hmm. i think that's what makes people uncomfortable i mean uh, what what do you think ofira why do you think black mirror hits people so hard Such a good question. I mean, I it's so immediate and so mm-hmm. so scary uh, in some ways to feel those things reflected uh, because it, it it partially feels like something that could happen in the future, but it also feels like a reflection of things that are already currently happening in our world. And I think that's the part because it exists. Uh, it has feet in both camps. I think those are the things that really are so gripping and intriguing and bring up so many questions. Mm-hmm. So it does really come back to the title, right? It's it's this reflection. It's a, it is you know it lives up to its name in that it's a you know dark black mirror. And I guess you're right. I think the word yeah. that I was looking for is like plaus- plausibility. Maybe like you're like that's not that much of a stretch to like kind of imagine that. Uh, depending on the episode you're talking about. Uh, but the episode we're talking about is the San Junipero one specifically today. Yes. Uh, and an interesting sort of turn for the series, because, I mean, I actually avoided the episode at first. I was a huge fan of the first two seasons of Black Mirror. Uh, and when I heard that San Junipero was coming out, and I heard from a lot of queer friends that, uh, that you know, it was about queer love. And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> this show's already so depressing. <laughs> Immediately, you like, know, oh, no. Like, I, I can't watch them kill off their lesbians or have them tortured for the rest of the time. Like, I, I don't want to watch that story. And then when I finally got around to watching it, I was like, oh, this is actually really sweet. This is really nice. I like this. Yeah, it's like the one happy ending that the sh- that is featured in like the entire show. But it's nice that they're they're like, no, you know what? We got you. We usually don't got you. But in this case, we got you. You can have a little of paradise as a treat. Yeah. A little heaven on earth, one could oh say. My God. <laughs> oh, baby, do you know what that's worth? <laughs> Anyways, yes. I, w- I remember hearing that for the ending. I'm wondering, I'm like, this is very fitting, but also a little on the nose. Like, I don't know if you guys went a little too far with it. But it also uses the song Girl in a Coma for yes. like a couple seconds, which is extremely on the nose. Yeah. I don't think anything really about Black Mirror is ever that subtle. Yeah, okay, like, you know what? Hey, That's true. here's what I'm thinking about. And here it is. Yeah. You want to like catch your wife cheating on you? Okay. I think it's so funny when people just to zoom out for a second. I think it's so funny when people are like Black Mirror is like the most cutting edge satire that we have today because it's like why would you look at it like that when you could just look at it as like a nice sci-fi show that happens to be like five minutes in the future instead of 50 years in the future like I feel like where Black Mirror got weaker is when people tried to pretend that it was like the end all be all for social media and social commentary Mm. like it's just kind of a fun sci-fi show and I feel like if you view it 
as that. It's a much more rich viewing experience because you can look at it within the the confines of story as opposed to looking at it as like essentially a speculative documentary. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. with like Callister, I feel like is like great for that because it like it's like oh hey like we're gonna play with these science fiction tropes and also like comment on technology at the same time. Exactly, and it's a story like it's yeah. fun. Yeah. But it's a, it's a good show, and I I love as I mentioned like this episode in particular rocks. Nice. And on your show, on your show, you guys look at story and like the breakdown of story and how it unfolds. Uh, what were there any like story elements that stuck out to you guys that were like that were particularly noteworthy in this episode? Yeah, I mean, I am a really big fan of all the different um, time periods that they go through. Yes, and how you can tailor like your basically after life existence, you know, depending on if you grew up in the 80s or if you grew up in the 2000s or what it might be. That I feel like was very smart from a story perspective because like it allowed this to be a sci-fi film that still had like the 80s sensibility and like was able to have like this retro tech feel. Yeah. I just think that was like a really smart framing mm-hmm. device. Jordan, what what do you like take away from it i don't know i just like with the story it was just like refreshing to have like something that's like a little uplifting and cheery and like i really like just the sort of like midway point turn where it kind of comes in you sort of like get to see the world outside of it but that like the person that she's gonna marry i'm already forgetting his name but so like greg or whatever greg, it may be yes that he's just like kind of like a very tender person like everyone's like very loving in this world and like that technology while it might not be like the best thing uh, it's like ultimately like helping people like come to grips with, you know, past trauma or prepare for death, et cetera, you know? And mm-hmm. like, obviously like, I don't know whether or not like you think it's the best thing to happen when you die, you know, like what all the existential questions, but just like in terms of the tenderness, I just really liked how sweet it was. Mm-hmm. Maybe I've been watching yes. too much WandaVision, but I'm really <laughs> meditating on the idea of like losing yourself in nostalgia while you're grieving. Mm-hmm. And it's just a different version of that. It's you're grieving your own life, really. You're not grieving the loss of someone else. You're grieving the loss of yourself uh, and losing yourself in that nostalgia for a while that I just find really fascinating. Like that's that's our comfort space that we always go to. And that's why you can go to all these different time periods. Like what what would be San Junipero for you? Like specifically, if you had to go rewind back in time, not just specifically the year you'd be in, but what, what's the environment? What is it for you? Ophira, we haven't heard from you. What, what would be your San Junipero? Oh my goodness. Okay, I have so many opinions <laughs> about, uh, about this episode and about the idea of San Junipero in general. I think, and this will tie back into something that is my main issue with the episode uh, and something that um, I keep thinking about and coming back to. To me, I'm a disabled person. I would want my wheelchair in San Junipero. I love my wheelchair. I would want to be disabled and be in the space where maybe the world was better. And so for me, my San Junipero would look super different than what it does in this episode. Definitely have the time periods element. I think that's wonderful. Definitely have all of the, you know, the nature, the parties, the the whole range of things. But it would be an accessible space where I could be disabled, mm-hmm. I think. Ophira, did you feel like the there's there's this montage moment where she's trying on all the outfits and trying to find like the persona that will sort of go with her energy. And she has this moment where she then, you know, goes back to the glasses that she feels are more like quintessentially her. And did, did that strike a chord for you in, in the same way that you would like if you were in San Junipero, like you would 
want to have something that connects you to who you are because part of being who you are is is you know your disability is part of it's part of your identity and just as much as our, our protagonist oh my gosh what was her name Yorkie yeah Yorkie about as much as Yorkie. Yorkie's glasses were to her do you know what I mean I wrote my very first note rewatching this episode was like glasses and all caps I found it super interesting that ultimately at sort of that beginning part Yorkie went back to the glasses but at the very end of the episode um, Yorkie throws. Uh, her glasses away. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. Right. I forgot about that, actually. Yeah, so did I. I found that super interesting. And also the commentary about it, of basically it being clear that the glasses weren't necessary. It was just an idea of whether it was a little bit of a fashion statement or a personal comfort level. I felt like the episode was kind of painting it as that the glasses were holding Yorkie back a little bit, that they were almost a security blanket, an idea of who who she used to be. She wasn't totally comfortable going after things in, in San Junipero and, and going after a relationship. Like at first I, I was so intrigued. And then I felt like overall the message was that as the episode goes on that, oh no, like, you know, this is a, a place that's beyond those kind of needs um, and that Yorkie can finally be her true self and that her true self as someone who is not disabled or someone who who doesn't wear glasses. And that kind of, I don't know, that sit really strangely with me. It's so funny because as a queer love story, I love this episode so much, like so, so deeply. But mm-hmm. as a disability story, I feel like the message a little bit is it's taking technology and saying that the world is terrible and being disabled is terrible and what technology can come in and do is like, provide a way to not be disabled as opposed to embracing disability and maybe making the world a little bit more accepting and embracing of disability. The way that the technology does that for queerness of being able to like go back in time and show this queer love story in eras that we maybe haven't been able to see that kind of story happen before. So I kind of, I wish it did the same thing for disability. But yeah, glasses are super interesting in this episode. Wow. So it gets points for queer love story, but it just doesn't doesn't live up to the disability story that we could also perhaps have been in a part of this whole thing. Yeah. yeah. And like, I wonder if they were even thinking about that. I mean, obviously they should have been, but I almost wonder if they saw it more as like a nerdy girl lets her hair down sort of thing, like mm-hmm. that trope, without thinking of the impact and consequence of it. And I feel like that is so often the case with sci-fi is that because it's in this other realm, it allows you to quote unquote, like solve all of your real world problems, mm-hmm. which is interesting to look at like, erasure of them instead of like accessibility like that is what a lot of sci-fi tends to go to is like we we can just disappear them instead of adapting or creating something more inclusive Mm -hmm. yeah and the way that the technology speaks about it is that we can change things but what they're looking to change is you is not the environment that you are in but it's looking to change you and when we say that about queerness as well it's like well you could just not be queer in San Junipero but would you would you want to be like is that is that true to who you are or would you rather that this world be more accepting and more accessible for you that's that's a really cool way of looking at it here i i I hadn't really seen it from that lens and that's really interesting so uh, okay so going back to the question that i had asked earlier um brooke what would be your san junipero 
<laughs> I think that um, environment wise, I would love to be like on somewhere beachy, kind of like how this is, but somewhere in like the Mediterranean, maybe Greece. You know, I love Greece. And uh, I think that that is just like a fun sort of party environment, good food, good people. I feel like if it's possible, though, I would be super into like a variety of landscapes because I do love my seasons. Mm-hmm. Would love maybe like some autumn in there, some winter some skiing you know how they jump time periods um maybe like instead of jumping time periods i would jump weather how about you jordan which what you thinking same thing yeah i I would just like to be transported you said greece and i was like fuck yeah i'll just do like the mamma mia worlds like that (laughs) san junipero uh probably like that and then you have a video store where i don't have late fees and uh yeah weather i feel like i don't know we we were both in LA we're like and we're thing. not yeah. native LA people and we really really miss variety and weather. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm sure uh, you know the Canadians are silently cursing <laughs> our names. Yeah, I'm staring outside of the snow right now and being like, I wonder what it would be like to miss this snow right now. I really do. <laughs> you can ship some down. I mean, like, look, would love some snow right now. So, like, desperately. So. Stick it in a box, send it over. <laughs> I mean, it's it. all yours. <laughs> yeah, all yours. Seriously, take it. Take as much as you want. Uh, but how about you guys, <laughs> oh though? What's, 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 what's included in your dream to San Junipero? What's your heaven on earth? What about you, Mike? My, my San Junipero. What would be my San Junipero? Um... Anywhere I can own a house. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, no. A millennial dream, right? Yeah. So I think it doesn't really matter because as long as where I'm at, I have like a like a home base. It could be a beach town. It could be... I, you know what? I like diversity, too. So I think having a... a I, I think I feel for you, Brooke and Jordan, uh, you're, you're longing for a, a variety of weather. And so I think that, yeah, having some sort of like multi-planal... Uh, existence in a computerized world where there could be snow and beach and like so basically Iceland if you think about it because if you've you've ever been to Reykjavik it's like you know summer during the day and winter during the night sometimes so sounds cool it's, it's, it's a cool place I highly recommend going if you ever have the chance once you know if we're not living in pandemic land again uh but yeah i don't know travis what about you what's your uh what's your san junipero okay so this is really weird but it's my parents' cottage, oh. but everyone has a cottage nearby. It's all walkable. The, oh. Like, we can go hang out with each other without having to drive long distances, but we all are near the lake and can hang out by the sun and stuff like that. And just constant, like, pizza parties and old N64 games, mm. uh, hanging out with my friends. Like, that's the kind of nostalgia that I think about. Aww. That's where my mind goes. The pizza. I love oh. that. <laughs> oh, man. Can I change my answer? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's locked oh, in forever. No. With him. I I like that one. I want to do that one. Travis, can I be in your San Junipero? Yes, of course. It wouldn't be heaven if you weren't there, Mike. Oh, thank you. Oh, <laughs> Highlighting human connection. <laughs> uh, well, like, speaking of human connection, I think it's really interesting that the only, at least the only one I can remember, the only queer story in Black Mirror is about a long distance online relationship. And I feel like that's Yearning. so special to the queer community. Like, every, like I'm not saying that, you know, the hats don't go online to meet each other, <laughs> but it's something that has become much more essential to the queer community, uh, especially a lot of us when we're younger and maybe aren't as able to go out and meet other people. 
Do, do you feel like that's unique to the queer community? That's to the queer experience? Um, Ophira, what do you think? Yeah, I th- I think that that's a, a unique experience to most marginalized communities, especially any anyone that kind of um, often results in chosen family, chosen connections, chosen relationships. Because for me, the online world is where I have met most of my queer friends and also most of my disabled friends. A lot of us can't necessarily physically go out into spaces together with different access concerns. And mm-hmm. and so the, there's like disability Twitter and chronic illness support groups. And there was Tumblr when, you know, people were on Tumblr. So yeah, I think it's very much a common thread with a lot of different marginalized communities, which I think is so beautiful to be explored in this episode. Mm-hmm. It does make me think of like, you mentioned you met some of your friends through online spaces. And I used to work at this board game cafe. Oh, yes, the board game cafe. Yes, the board game cafe. Uh, and when I worked there, we had a lot of disabled gamer groups come through. And it was so frustrating for the first couple years that I worked there because I was so happy to see these groups meeting up. But we didn't have a bathroom that was on the floor, like on the Ooh. main floor. It was only accessible to the basement where there was no elevator. So these people would come to meet together and then they would have to go to a different establishment to use the bathroom and come back. And I was like so frustrated because like I've always loved gaming for its ability to bring people together. And like this stupid owner who I hated, uh, who never thought about it, just never just decided to renovate it um, until years into its opening. Uh, You worked at the one that was like an old video 99 that they turned into that cafe, right? I mean, originally it took over like three different store spaces and then renovated itself into one giant space and still didn't have a main floor bathroom at that yeah. point. I'm like, you did a major renovation, and you still didn't put in a main floor bathroom? Like, what were you thinking? I, I, yeah. I, I was really frustrated. There was a stark contrast between, like, how nice the cafe was and how dingy and eerie and g- gross the basin was, I remember, yeah. <laughs> what were we talking about? <laughs> Sorry. Uh, so, Mike, what about you? your thoughts on, like, online queer relationships? I've just oh, gone yeah. such a tangent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> totally. I don't know. I don't think it's uh, unique to LGBT culture. Like you said, like the hets are not strangers to online dating and stuff like that. But I think it's definitely more prominently embedded into queer culture just because of, yeah, the, the nature of our existence for a lot of time. But, you know, everyone's been catfished at one point in their life. So <laughs> I feel oh, like, no. you know, and which and it was also this cute moment, you know, where she's like, you know, I don't really want you to see me in real life. You know, I don't want you, I, don't, I, I can't remember what the line was, but, you know, there was this moment of, you know, you won't like the real me. and And I think that, that's such a relatable thing. Like, even if you abstract it outside of the context of that moment where we're in this, like, weird super future, I think that's that's a very easy thing to connect to, I think, because I think it's something we all go through. And And to that point, actually, I feel like authenticity came up as a question in, in the episode, even taking it back to that glasses moment of, like, you know, I feel like the glasses are very you. It underscores that we're really kind of redefining our existence as we're going through it, you know? Like, we're sort of compiling an idea of, like, who we are as we interact with the people and the environments around us. And I think that this episode also highlighted that, that no matter what decade you're in, you're still going to have these social agents who are going through their life experience and interacting with one another. And at the end of the day you know, we're all kind of on this self-discovery journey and we enjoy connecting with other people. 
and uh, and I think that was true for not only our two uh, heroines or two like love interest people, but yeah, even with with uh, good old Greg, you know, <laughs> we do stand a legend. We love Greg. Uh, uh, Greg's awesome. Mike, you're talking about like authenticity. I remember when we went on the Queer Quadrant uh, and we were talking about Clue and I mentioned how like drag some of their personas were. Kelly's persona in San Junipero is kind of drag. Like it's her, but a much more heightened version of her who's there to have fun and there to party and things like that. I I don't know, like Brooke and Jordan, what what do you feel about like this, this idea of online personas leading to online relationships. Yeah, I mean, I think that like when you look at anything online, there is going to be an aspect of like, I want to show off the best parts of myself, Mm -hmm. the funniest or the most attractive parts of myself. And that's what San Junipero is too. Like you have all these people reverting back to the time in their life where they were hottest and like the most willing to go out and party. What I think is interesting about like the online aspect of this is the idea of like limited time, Mm. especially... I feel like, yes, everyone is online, but growing up, like, as a queer kid, if you can find, like, other queer kids through the internet circle that you normally wouldn't be able to find in real life, and you're sort of all figuring it out together, there's an idea that the amount of time you have together is finite because, like, you're a kid and you have bedtime and schoolwork and stuff like that. So you have to make the most of, you know, your computer time for the day or, like, you know, the time that you two are going to be awake because they live halfway across the world or something like that. And obviously in San Junipero, you only have a limited amount of visiting time. So I think it captures that really well. And that like, even though it seems like you have forever because it's the internet and you, it's always going to be there waiting for you. Like you only have a limited amount of time in your life and your schedule to like enjoy it while it's there. So I think that the, the episode captures that feeling very well. San Junipero. Damn. Uh, limited yeah. time and liminal spaces. Yeah, <laughs> man. <laughs> I completely agree with what you said. I feel like the, th- the biggest thing is just like, as you were saying, like everyone on the internet performs. Like, all, I mean, like what is queerness but performance also most of the time. Mm-hmm. So like, I feel like that's just inherently relatable. And I mean, like, yes, like San Junipero is like where you want to be yourself or like where you can be you. But everyone on the internet is putting out a better version of themselves or... Maybe not a better version, but they're at least like putting out an image that they've constructed for themselves. Like it's very much like internet personality versus real life. And no matter what, as you were saying, like there is that question and that fear of like when you meet someone for the first time in real life, like is this friendship going to be real? Like there's always like internet friends and that's always so fun to like meet your internet friend. But there is always that like first like hour or whatever, like minute when you meet them and you're like, oh, like this is what you're like versus, you know, the conversations that you have online, et cetera. And I think it's interesting that in San Junipero, it's like these people are dying. So it's like, and even when they meet in real life, it's not really like they're getting to know each other. So like, it's pretty much like just two internet personalities falling in love versus like maybe the people themselves. I don't know. No, I totally agree. And then it's like they are able to meet and fall in love with the real versions of themselves like later in the story. Yeah. Uh, It's it's so funny because you also mentioned that like it's this place where you can be whoever you want to be contrasted with the idea that you are dying. Uh, And I was reading into the notes on the episode and apparently there was originally a scene about like a playground where all of the kids who had died got uploaded to San Junipero. And I'm like, oh my God. 
God, that's dark. Thank you for not including <laughs> that. Very dark. Yeah, I feel like <laughs> twisted. Oh I feel like Black Mirror episodes work best when they don't try to overexplain yes. all the little mini worlds that they create because like we would be here for days and like of mm-hmm. course there's like little holes, but what's it goes back to story. Like what, what is science fiction without a hole? Uh, of course. A wormhole. <laughs> a couple of wormholes, Uh-oh. a couple of black Jordan. holes. Oh god, the internet. The internet's yes. gonna do a lot with that. <laughs> <laughs> what is science fiction without hey. a hole or a couple and Am I right, ladies? No, but like seriously, <laughs> I I think I think that it co- goes back to story and that you want the world to work for your contained story. And yes. like, that's what is most important. And so the aspects that they show of San Junipero, I think there is definitely like a very clear parallel to be drawn between like pretending, um, you know, doing that drag-esque persona, pretending to be the best version of yourself and hiding authentic parts of yourself like the fact that you're gay um like that's an interesting parallel to hit there and like that's why you know the time periods and the shifting um you know parts of the beach and the sort of like sexed up atmosphere of it category is 80s realness yes yes it works for the story as my only negative thing it is weird going back to this now after being i think when i originally saw it this commercialism of the 80s hadn't really reached its full form yet Mm -hmm. like the stranger things epidemic and so like revisiting this now it's like almost a little exhausting because it's like yes i like the 80s but it's like the 80s are so overdone at this point so it's really interesting re-watching this because when they jump forward in time i'm like oh hell yeah like mid 2000s grunge versus yes. like the 80s when i originally watched it where i was like oh my god the 80s so it's interesting seeing how it ages in that sense just based on like the current cultural consciousness of like what we're watching yeah no absolutely and uh i think it's also interesting you mentioned like how much the 80s has been overdone how you're now sort of viewing this from a different angle and i kind of feel like the pandemic has also made me reevaluate how i feel about san junipero just in the idea of in the past year who among us have not tried to escape into virtual worlds to get away from <laughs> what we've been dealing with? Like Animal Crossing was the San Junipero of 2020. Oh gosh, you're not lying. <laughs> like I feel like that's what everyone was trying to do. And I remember Ophira had said that um, your opinions had changed on it over time. So what has specifically changed about it? Like, is it because of the pandemic? Is it because of reviewing it, knowing that it's more of a disability story? Like what, what's changed for you since you first watched it? When I watched it this time, I felt at first just like quite upset watching it. I went like, wait a minute, because I realized, and it's so interesting talking about authenticity and about relationships and and the curation of an online persona versus who you are in real life. One thing that I really clocked when I watched it this time is that we never hear Yorkie in the real world communicate. Yeah, I thought that was weird. Yeah, right? Like we're told that Yorkie does communicate through a comms box. And that clearly Yorkie's communicated with Greg and they've like made this decision. And also that presumably Yorkie's made the decision to go to San Junipero in the first place. Mm -hmm. But we never actually see it happen. And we don't see it happen at all when Kelly comes. We only see them communicate in San Junipero. The only thing we get from Yorkie, and this is my one greatest issue with this episode, is that we see a single tear roll down Yorkie's cheek as Mm -hmm. they essentially euthanize her. And like, what's that tear about? You know, is that tear happiness? Is it sadness? Is it like, we don't know because we've never actually heard this version of Yorkie communicate. 
And so that just brought up a lot of weird feelings about agency and, and choices and decisions. But that being said, I think also the, the way that this conversation went earlier and, and some of you were talking about how our choices build our reality, right? The decisions that we make, we're constantly shaping who we are. We do that in the online world, but also just in life in general. Uh, we make decisions and and they shape who we become. So who's to say which version of each of these characters is actually the real one? Who's to say which one should have the greatest say? Because I don't think that Yorkie and Kelly had the chance to to fall in love in real life because they they didn't communicate, at least from what was shown in the episode. That's true. But they certainly did in San Junipero in those like crafted, curated personas that they they built for themselves. And who's to say that that's who's to say that that's not real, right? I wonder. Yeah, and especially because like you do see Kelly sort of strip away the artifice, uh, where she says, you know, I I had a husband, I had a daughter, I had this life, and she lays it all bare of who she truly is at the end of it. And we don't really sort of get that same. Mm, yeah, I, I don't know how to describe it. Like I said, stripping away the artifice for Yorkie. Like, she doesn't change as much over the course of it. And we we don't know, again, if that is that the true her. I, I don't know. I don't think that she is supposed to change, though. I think the whole point of right. Yorkie existing as a character is that she's, like, in this world to, like, discover herself. And, like, she's our audience surrogate into this world mm-hmm. versus everyone else. And, like, Yorkie as a character is inherently, I think because of how she's in the hospital and because of how she exists within this world, I think that the version of Yorkie that we see in San Junipero is very much the closest to any of the characters in terms of who they actually are. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I don't, I don't know. That's just like my interpretation, of course. And like all of cinema is subjective at the end of the day. But like I read it as like Yorkie's true self is the version that we get more in San Junipero because it's like she is finally getting to express who she has been this whole like who who she wanted her life to be and like how she felt and like she's able to express who she is in San Junipero versus Kelly who takes on a more like performative approach to it Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. because Kelly's hiding from like aspects of herself that she's ashamed of whereas Yorkie didn't get to like have this version of her life yes because since the accident happened when she's like 21 or something like that yeah but I think it it's it's definitely it's definitely still like a version where she still isn't sure like who she is for sure. Um, and she like, hasn't been able, I guess like the way the episode pitches it is that like, she hasn't been able to grow since like that period of her life. Mm -hmm. Well, there's that moment even where Yorkie's, you know, they use really ambiguous writing to sort of lend itself to the idea that we don't like, because we don't know that it's a virtual space until there's like the reveal later on. And so the writing is kind of ambiguous to, to sort of keep that, the like intrigue mystery. I don't know to, to keep the veil sort of in place, but there's the moment where she's like, you know, I've never been on a dance floor. And, uh, and you know, it's like, never, you know, never, you've never been on a dance floor your whole life. You're like, you know, never, not once. And it's, you're supposed to read it the first time as like a super sheltered lifestyle as opposed to the fact that she has a disability. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or just doesn't have the opportunity to do this to the self-discovery to be like, Oh, I, you know, like with a woman. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, and, and also it's, it's kind of this interesting dynamic because you have Kelly who is the knowing and then Yorkie, who's the who's the unknowing, and to actually back to your point from earlier, Brooke, 
Kelly's more aware of the limits. And she goes, let's not limit ourselves. Let's not limit ourselves. Let's go dance. And then she's like, no, I've never, I've never been on a dance floor. That moment by itself sort of really made those characters for me. Like that, that was like that, that, mo- that sort of circumscribed who they were in my, in my mind, at least. Yeah. And it's also, you see like there's other little tells as you go along or, you know, things that you see on a second watch. Like when she sees the car flip in that video game and you can see her like have a very physical oh, yeah. instinctual reaction to yeah. that of, oh, oh, oh my God. Yeah. Cause they make a meal out of that that moment when it happens and then it's kind of just like this wait what and you know because if you're if you're if you're keen to the the storytelling ways you're like no that means something you know and then it's like oh i do think it's interesting how much they try to ground the idea of video games into this virtual reality Mm -hmm. because that's how we open the story you know yorkie playing video games at the arcade and every time we come back to a different time period, that's almost sort of like the touchstone for her is she goes and she checks in at the arcade and sees how the video games have changed with the time period and then moves forward. And it really feels like they're trying to ground it in this idea of like virtual reality in its purest form is still a video game at the end of it. It's a virtual space. It is um, a projection of yourself into these into these spaces. Ophira, do you feel like, have you played any virtual reality games before? You know, I haven't gotten the chance to do tons. Um, I love the idea of virtual reality. And I also am so hesitant about it specifically because of the interactions often uh, with disability. Mm-hmm. Because so many, so many tropes and stories are about this idea. And they come back to this idea that like a disabled person can't have a full life. Yeah. You know, and that virtual reality can change that, can give you the opportunity to do all of the things that you can't do in day-to-day life. And I feel like, you know, San Junipero very much is an example of of that kind of idea. Although I do think that episode complicates it a little bit more. And to me, that's so disappointing because, you know, disabled people have full lives. Yeah. There's no reason not to, especially if you have the the technology to build this this kind of virtual reality and virtual spaces. Um, you have the technology to make the actual world more accessible. There's no reason that Yorkie couldn't have gone on a dance floor. I don't I don't see why why that couldn't have happened. The only reason that couldn't have happened is because of systemic ableism. Uh, but in terms of technology and supports, uh, she for sure could have. Yeah, I really I love the idea of virtual reality, but I'm a little bit shy about it because I always try to focus on uh, not getting sucked into into that particular idea. Do you feel like if you had the the skills for it, the technical know-how, would you want to create virtual reality that has accessibility in mind and the idea of creating fun spaces that don't erase the experience of disability? Oh my goodness, so much so. Uh, (laughs) 1,000%. I have uh, no skills in that regard, but so much enthusiasm. (laughs) This is exactly it. Like, I would love to design video games, but I have none of the technical know-how. So I ended up in uh, film and television instead because I could at least see a clear path to that. (laughs) So that's where I ended up. And you get to podcast on the side. This is true. I I get to do everything. (laughs) What is podcasting if not building worlds? Ooh, (laughs) audio worlds. Mm. So beautiful. (laughs) Um, I I think it's like very interesting what Ophira said because like we on our show we talk a lot about how there's a lot of media that like chooses to make a thing out of marginalized people's struggles instead of like going the accessibility route and like Mm -hmm. 
particularly in sci-fi and fantasy, when the whole point is that you have no rules and you can do whatever you want. Like accessibility is always the answer. <laughs> like it's such a great way to make your story inclusive without having to sacrifice anything, like especially in the genre realm, because you can literally do whatever you want. I hope that, you know, more pieces of media in the future sort of like take that route because it just, it, you really like, it opens up your world so much. I mean, we've, we've, we've talked about that kind of stuff for yes. sure. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Um, I am going to say that we're starting to run out of time. So I am going to wrap it up a little closer to this. I am going to ask our age old question of uh, starting with Ophira. What you playing? <laughs> oh, no, I'm terrible. I'm, uh, I mean, geez, I'm playing my piano. Like, <laughs> I, <laughs> That's amazing. Alas, I have uh, have not really gotten into much recently. That's totally fine. I kind of ambushed you with this because I didn't prepare you ahead of time. <laughs> so <laughs> that's totally fine. Also, just Ophira, just as much as you have, you don't have the skills to make VR stuff happen, I took eight years of classical piano, and I can't do anything on the piano. So uh, that's uh, good, good for you. King. Uh, so I play video games instead. So th- th- you're actually doing the thing that you know I aspire to do, but for real. <laughs> I mean, so. maybe we can just like take a 24 hour trade skills for for a moment. You know, see where we end up. <laughs> Where's that Black Mirror episode? Yes! <laughs> yeah, that's the extension of Black Mirror. Now, now it's getting gets to that like Matrix concept where we can not only like be in virtual spaces, but we can like download skills to our oh. brain. That sounds great, honestly. That's my San Junipero. I changed my answer. That's, <laughs> that's what I'm going for. If we're going to talk about like downloading skills into your brain, Mike, I cannot wait until we get to do an episode on Prey. I am going to force you to play that game. I'm super excited. Oh, no. No, no, trust me. You're going to love it. It's okay, it's terrifying right. and it's horrifying, but you're going to love it. Okay. Okay. Brooke, what's your plan? Okay. So notoriously, I am She's not a gamer. a gamer and don't know how to play anything, but I will say that I have been dabbling a little bit in watching some playthroughs of Hades yes. after it was recommended hey. to me. Um, And it is everything that I was promised and I am having a great time. So that's where I'm at. Um, But we can just move on from me. I love that for you. No, uh, thank you. Because that's our segue into our next episode. Check out our next episode for Hades. We're so excited. Oh, great. (laughs) Thank you for that. Uh, Jordan, what's your plan? So when I came back to Los Angeles after being home for a beat, I brought my old Xbox 360 with me. And so I cracked out some old games, but specifically just broke out GTA 5. I have and played it since moving to Los Angeles. And I was just very curious to see what the LA version was versus the LA I live in after, you know, being here for so long. And honestly, (laughs) it's like very close to what LA is like. So, you know, I love it. Kind of a wild time. Uh, Yeah. But that's what I was playing for a beat. I was really hoping that was going to be the answer. (laughs) (laughs) It is the exact same thing. It's like cars, you know, running you over, flipping off. But honestly, like on a completely like serious level, like the layout of the city and like the landmarks are so accurate. And like it it blew my mind. I was like, wow. 
they really got the vibe of LA perfectly. Awesome. The only experience I've had of LA was being stuck at LAX for an 11 hour layover because I missed my flight. Oh my I did God. that. I did that thing where it said the, the departure time and I thought that was the gate time. So I got there and they're like, the no. plane's no. lit up. And I'm like, all right, I guess I live in the airport now. And she's Oh my God, uh, it's the terminal. Yeah. That's, <laughs> I was waiting for Jordan to say that. <laughs> yeah, I became, of course. I became Bull, Bill Murray. Thankfully, Canada remained a country while. I was there, so it was all good. But um, <laughs> yeah, no, it was uh, definitely an experience and a half. Travis, are you going to ask me what I'm playing? Uh, yeah, Mike, what you playing? Oh my gosh! Well, you know, it just so happens, uh, Brooke, that I'm I'm playing Hades. Oh wow! Look at yeah. that! Hey! And it's, <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> Hades. Hey. Uh, it's a great game. It, it really is. I understand why you are watching playthroughs because the writing is phenomenal. But we're, you know, I'm I don't want to steal too much from our next show because, like Travis said, we're going to be doing that for our next bit. So, uh, yeah. And Travis. Yes. What's your plan? Hey. Wh- Hey, that's a, that was my question. <laughs> <laughs> With the time that I've had, I haven't really started anything in depth, so I've been going back and just playing a lot of Overwatch. Um, that's yeah. been my little bit of escapism on the weekends. But it's so funny that Jordan mentioned playing San Andreas uh, because that's his, you know, his, the, the town that he lives Not in. Not San Andreas Five. That's what, that, I, yes, that is what it's you said. Okay. I'm so sorry, okay. <laughs> I'm losing my mind it's at the okay. moment. <laughs> Uh, Overwatch in Overwatch 2 is coming out with a Toronto map and I have been obsessing over every video and screenshot that I can find of it. They've got amazing. Uh, our classic little streetcars and they've got the hideously ugly orange and green cabs that we have here. The mascots for like the hockey rink that you pass are raccoons. Like it's all very Toronto and I love it. I think it's so cute. So uh, I'm very excited for Overwatch 2 to come that's out. That's amazing. Uh, and yeah, that's what I've been playing. You know, for some Americans, Toronto is their San Junipero. <laughs> for some Americans, no, yeah. I heard that there are some maple leafs up there, and they immediately ran. You know what I'm going to say? Um, for American directors, Toronto is their San Junipero, <laughs> because they can come up here and do whatever the hell they want, because it costs nothing to do it here. That is yeah, extremely Hollywood true. Hollywood North, y'all. You have no idea how many shows I've watched and been like, oh, I recognize that building. Oh, I recognize that building. Oh, it's because I've seen them in 50 other shows, yeah. because they're all shooting in Toronto. Yeah. New York City, I think you mean Toronto. Yeah. Yeah, literally. Pretty much. Okay, well, thank you so much, everyone, for joining us. Mike, I'm very excited to see you next time for Hades. Mm -hmm. I'll see you next time, Mike. It's going to be a good time. Jordan, thank you so much for joining us. And Brooke, thank you as well. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Oh, my God. You stole the words right out of my mouth. What were you going to say? No, that's what I was. I was going to say that and that just Gugu Mabatha Raw deserves so much more. She's the best. She's so good in this. That's all. Uh, and Jordan and Brooke, where can we find you guys? We are mostly on Twitter. I am at Brooke B. Solomon. At Jordan H. Gus. And we are together at Queer Quadrant. And you can find this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and wherever else you get your podcasts. Um, Give us a shout and also tweet at us because we love to hear from everyone and everyone. All the roads, especially the rainbow ones. Exactly. <laughs> And Ophira, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm so glad you were able to come on. Um, where can we find you? Uh, you can find me on Instagram at ophira.c. And you can find me on Twitter at ophira underscore c. I spent a lot of time uh, scrolling through Twitter and very little time posting on Twitter. But I <laughs> constantly swear that that's going to change. So maybe this is the moment. You know, who knows? <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us. And thank you all again. Uh, this has been Rainbow Road.
If you liked this episode, follow us on Twitter at Rainbow Road Pod or get in touch with us for future episodes at rainbowroadpodcast at gmail.com. And a big thank you to all of our guests today and our producer, Matt Kennar. Thanks for listening to Rainbow Road.